Greetings. I wanted to come to you today on this day of honoring our ancestors, the very last day of Hoodoo Heritage Month, and speak about the importance of honoring your ancestors and why it is the root and the foundation of all indigenous spiritualities, most especially African traditional spirituality. So today, October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd are holy days for black and brown people globally. These are the days that we all, as a black and brown collective, pause and reflect and pay homage to all of those who made it possible for us to be here. In the Anago language, we call our ancestors Egun and our honored ancestors Egungun. And we praise and revere them on a daily basis. But during this time of year, our ancestors had a tradition of pausing and having special rituals and wearing masquerade and taking the time to go deep into homage for those beings that literally gave their lives so that we could continue to live. So please make sure that you take the time to do that during these three days. Also make sure that you teach this tradition to your children. Remember that what you do for your ancestors, your children will do for you. So our ancestors are our direct link to the spiritual realm. We are all linked through our physical bodies, which is a tree. It's like a tree that grows from the seed of our spirit. So we're linked with these by these bodies to the spiritual realm. And that link is our ancestors. As you are created through the magical elixir of your father, as it enters into the magical cauldron of the womb of your mother, the stuff, the material, the matter that creates you is literally the matter of your ancestors. It is literally parts of their body that creates you, that makes you, that gives you the ability to exist on the physical plane and the rest of you to exist on the spiritual plane. So the understanding of and the honoring of our ancestors is the foundation for everything else that we do in the tradition. If you have moved forward and begun to do anything in the tradition, without first creating an ancestral altar and making a direct link of communication to your honored dead, then you need to go back and take the time to create an ancestral altar and to make that direct link of communication to those who have done gone on, to your honored dead, to those who have laid the path for you. Your ancestors are your moral guide for life. They have lived before. There is nothing that you will experience in this life that one of your ancestors has not experienced. 
and they wait for you to ask for their assistance and they never deny assistance to their children. What the ancestors are not, the ancestors are not ghosts. The ancestors are not scary. The ancestors are not decomposing beings waiting somewhere to frighten you. Those are Hollywood depictions that have absolutely nothing to do with reality. If you think about your great-grandmother, if you think about your grandmother, if you think about those people who raised you or who made it possible for you to have a family to be born into, they don't take any delight in frightening you. They take delight in caring for you. They take delight in making sure that you are happy and healthy and comfortable. That's what the ancestors want for you. That is what your personal bloodline ancestors want for you. One of the reasons that you know that your ancestors are always wishing the best for you is because they, if you decide to have children, will be reborn through you. And so the life that you are creating is of paramount interest to them because they want to be reborn into a life that is comfortable, into a life that is beautiful, into a life that is luxurious and good. And so they will open the doorways and the gateways and the pathways for you to live this type of life. Now, your ancestors are not, mm, what is the word I'm looking for? Your ancestors have high expectations of you. Let's just go that route. Let's explain it through that route. They have very high expectations of you. Those of us who are members of the African diaspora, those of us who were born in the West, come from West and Central African people. If you have ever met a person from, who was born in Nigeria, if you have ever met a person who was born in Ghana, if you've ever met a person who was born in the Gambia, in Guinea, in Guinea-Bissau, in um, Cote d'Ivoire, um, the Ivory Coast, in Liberia, in any of those places that our ancestors come from, then you have met a person who is focused on excellence. You have never met a West African that is not focused on excellence. West African people work hard to achieve excellence in every aspect of their lifestyle. And so that is our mode of being as West and Central African people. As such, our ancestors always have extremely high expectations of us. And the reason that I'm saying this is once you make a connection with your ancestors, once you begin the process of communicating with your ancestors, once you create your ancestral shrine and begin to maintain and caretake and keep that shrine open for communication, then you will begin to experience all of the ways in which your ancestors expect you to make a mark in society. That's their expectation of you. Their expectation is for you to fulfill 
that big, beautiful, powerful destiny that you planned to fulfill when you decided to be born in this lifetime. That's the expectation of your ancestors. And so they are going to push you to do that. In pushing you to do that, they will also create spaces and situations in which it, it will be in which you will be able to do that. I don't want to use the term easy because easy is not really something that life is made for. That, that's not the nature of life. Life is what it is. It can be simple or it can be complex. But most of the time, it's not going to be easy. That is not what life is. But your ancestors will create situations in which you can flourish if you take the time to create a communicative link to them and if you take the time to maintain this link and keep it open then they will assist you in creating situations where you can flourish along those lines understand that as our grandmothers and our elder mothers taught us way back in the day in the backwoods of wherever we're from wherever our people originate from your children are ancestors having returned these are ancestors who have returned and so just as you would treat your ancestors with respect you treat your children with that respect just as you would pay attention to the needs and the wants and the thoughts and the feelings of your ancestors you pay attention to the needs and the wants and the thoughts and the feelings of your children. Your children are ancestors returning and ancestors who have returned. You yourself are an ancestor who has returned. Now me, having the background that I have, I come from a place where the old women would tell you which ancestor you were from the time that you were a little girl or a little boy or a little person. They would tell you. And so there was no doubt in your mind which ancestor you were. They would say, for me, I heard my entire life from before I could speak, from before I even had a, brain, a, a, a way in my brain to conceive of what they were saying. I heard my entire life, ooh, she just like Westdale. Ooh, she the spitting image of Westdale. And Westdale was my great-grandmother, who passed away some months before I was born. And so from the time I was small, I knew which ancestor I was, which ancestor had returned in me because the elder mothers around me told me who I was. And so there were many ways that I would act. There were many things that I would do that they would laugh and say, see, she's just like Westdale. I acted like this person. I look like this person. I carried myself like this person. So when we have the luxury of being born into a situation like that, then we know which ancestor we are. And so we can get an inkling as we are on our journey to self-discovery and self-actualization, we can get an inkling as to what our destiny is in this lifetime as it is linked to the destiny that we had in that last lifetime. If you have the luxury of your family being able to tell you which person you are the most like. By the same token, once I began to have children, my mother would tell me which ancestor my children were. 
which ancestor in our lineage my children were as they were born. She would look into their faces and say, oh, this one looks like so-and-so. This one is so-and-so. And so that is how I know for my children which ancestor they are, which ancestor has returned in them. All right. Now, that is also something if you do not have family around you that can do that ritual for you, that is also something that can be determined in divination. So I do a style of divination called Idele reading. This is a style of divination that was created in the diaspora, um, specifically at Oyotunji Village, South Carolina, by Oba Sejimaide Fumida I and the Metahochi Kofi Omowale Zanu. And they created this style of divination to tell you which ethnic group in West or Central Africa you came from and also to give you further insight into your own personal connection with your egun and your egungun. So if that is something that you desire to have and things that you desire to know, please visit my website, gottobeoshun.org, G-O-T, the number two, the letter B, O-S-H-U-N.org, and purchase an Idele reading. And we will sit for an hour and we will get all of the information that we can get about your egun and your egungun and how that connects to your destiny in this lifetime. So through that particular type of reading, you're able to know those connections. So your ancestors are your spiritual foundation and they are your moral guide. If you would not do it in front of your grandmother, then it is not something that you need to be doing. And that's going to vary from family to family. That's going to vary from person to person, right? There are certain things. Hold on one second, guys. Children are in need of me briefly via text. There are certain things within my family that are acceptable, that I know are acceptable to my grandmothers. And so I don't have any qualms about doing them. However, those same things will not be acceptable in your family. So your ancestors are your own personal moral guide. Now, when we think about that, we have to take it outside of the context of Christianity or any Abrahamic tradition. Because whenever I say to people, if you wouldn't do it in front of your grandmother, then don't do it. The first thing they think about is having sex. I wouldn't have sex in front of my grandmother. Okay, you may not do the actual act of intercourse, but when you become sexually mature, your grandmother fully expected you to be having sex and was hoping that you were, you know, having all of the wonderful pleasures of life. We're not looking at this from an Abrahamic perspective. So when I say, if you would not do it in front of your grandmother or if you would get in trouble, if you did that in front of your grandmother, don't do it, then I mean from a realistic, non-Abrahamic perspective. My grandmothers taught me not to talk bad about people who had less than I did, not to talk bad about people who had any sort of condition that kept them from doing um, you know, certain things in life. My grandmothers taught me not to speak ill of the dead. My grandmothers taught me not to use words that hexed or cursed myself. So when I say things I wouldn't do, I mean those types of things. 
My grandmothers taught me to clean up my bathroom and my kitchen and my home in a particular type of way. My grandmothers taught me to eat in a particular type of way. Those are the things that I mean. My grandmothers taught me that no matter what situation I was in, to give it my best, to do my best. My grandmothers taught me that I am fit and completely able and have everything that I need to fulfill this destiny that I chose. My grandmothers taught me these things. So when I say, if I wouldn't do it in front of my grandmother, that's what I'm talking about. If I have an inkling or an urge to half-ass do something. So I'm a teacher, right? So if I have an inkling to half-ass write out my curriculum or half-ass write out a lesson plan, let's say I'm tired, let's say I'm sleepy, let's say I got a lot on my plate and I want to half-ass write out a lesson plan, it's my grandmother's voices that are going to say, don't you do that in that way. Right? So when I say they are your moral compass, that is what I mean. They are the ones who are going to say, do this in the right way. Do this in the correct way. Live life in the correct way. Your ancestors are your moral compass. The Orisha, the deities, the spirits are not your moral compass. A river does not have a morality. Thunder and lightning does not have morality. A palm tree, the ocean, the very earth that we stand upon does not have a morality. So that is not your moral guide. It is your ancestors that are your moral guide and that have lived this exact life that you are living. And so it is incumbent upon them to make sure that you live this life properly and that you live this life well. And so it is them that you turn to when it is time to do that. It is your ancestors, your egun and your egungun that you turn to when it is time to do that. Teach your children of the great deeds of your ancestors. In the West, there is a tradition that is as old as the Western empires, starting even before the Greco-Roman Empire, starting with the Angles and the Saxons. There is a tradition of hero worship. And so you take one member of society and you place that member of society up on a pedestal and you use that particular person as the model of how everyone else in society should be. And you don't tell of the help that that person received. You don't tell of the ways in which their life was set up for them to succeed. You merely say this person was born with the magical ability to be ahead of everybody else. And so if we all work hard, we'll be just as good as this person. That is a tradition in the West. Hero worship is a tradition in the West. The hero's journey was the first style of narrative that was created by Western peoples, way back with the Angles and the Saxons and the Celts and all of these people. And so because we have the misfortune of being raised in Western societies, then we are taught to worship heroes, people that are set up as quote unquote heroes. In doing so, we miss opportunities for our entire lives to pay homage to those people who actually do the work of keeping us alive. And so this is what it means to honor your ancestors. 
is you pay homage to those people who actually did the work. You do not just pay homage to the big people who came out in a hero type of role. And that's not to say that we don't honor our big heroic ancestors. But if that is all that you teach your children to honor, then you're doing a disservice to the Egun and Egungun of your lineage. That's what you're doing. If we only honor Baba El Haj Malik Shabazz, Baba Malcolm X, if we only honor Mama Zora Neale Hurston, if we only honor Mama Betty Shabazz, right? If we only honor those types of very big personalities who made these big heroic moves, then you miss the opportunity to tell your children about your uncle who went to fight in the Vietnam War and came back home and was still able to build a thriving and flourishing family, gave everything that he had worked three jobs so that his children could eat and so that his children could have a place to live. That's what it means to honor your ancestors, right? If you're only honoring these big heroic figures, then you're missing the opportunity to explain how your grandmother survived reconstruction. Your great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother survived reconstruction. You're missing the opportunity to teach how your great-grandmother survived the Jim Crow era and bought a beautiful home for herself and all of her grandchildren and raised her grandchildren there and had three or four streams of income and created a magnificent society so that black women could come into a society and feel and be honored for the efforts and the steps that, and the strides that they had taken in the little city that you're from. You miss the opportunity to do that. This is what it means to honor your ancestors. To honor your ancestors means that you bring yourself out of the Western idea of hero worship and you actually pay homage to those who deserve it. If you've ever taken a class from me, or if you've listened to me teach anything, you will often hear me say that when I first heard in church that story of the loaves and the fishes about um, um, Jesus, I think, had a multitude to feed and he only had a small amount of food, but he began to feed people and then it was enough. When I first heard that story, my first thought was, I, my mama does that every day. That was my first thought because I remember going into the kitchen. My mother had seven children and I remember going into the kitchen and, and coming out and saying, mama ain't nothing to eat. And my mother would say, go, go sit down, go sit down or go play or go outside. She would give me something to go and do. And then as I was in the midst of, of, of busying myself with that thing, then my mother would say, the food is done. And we would get up and go into the kitchen and my mother would have somehow created a feast, right? For me and my siblings. So you're not going to ever catch me paying homage to a probably fictitious Jewish carpenter and something that he did with loaves and fishes over the opportunity to pay homage to Lalita Fields Morgan 
who, who did loaves and fishes every day for me, who is the reason that I exist. That's who I'm going to pay homage for. I don't require a hero figure. I was raised by gods and goddesses in their own right, who lived as gods and goddesses every day, who I watched with my own eyes create miracles on a daily basis. I will not do the disservice of having my children read the autobiography of Malcolm X, but not knowing the magical journey of their own grandfathers. I'm not going to do that disservice. I will not do the disservice of having my children pay homage to Rosa Parks and to Betty Shabazz and to Sojourner Truth, but not know the huge strides that my great-grandmother, Westell Timmons Taylor, took as a black woman in our little tiny hometown of Columbia, Tennessee. I won't do that disservice. My children will know. This is what it means to honor your ancestors. This is why it is essential. And when you honor your ancestors and you teach your children, this is what your grandmother did. This is what your grandfather did. This is what your auntie, your uncle did, your mother, your father. Then your children know that they have the ability to do that and more, right? If my grandmother and my mother lived through the Jim Crow era and thrived, was able to buy homes, was able to keep us fed nutritiously every day, was able to create and rear children that were as normal and as sane and as productive as we could possibly be during those times, then if I teach my children how my mother did that, then when they experience an obstacle, they know that they are made of the stuff that can do that. If I teach them about Malcolm X, they're not related to him. All praises to Baba Malcolm and everything that he did for us. They're not related to him. They're not made of the stuff of his body. If I teach them about Baba Huey Newton, all praises to Baba Huey P. Newton and all of the sacrifices that he made for us, they're not made of the stuff from his body. But if I teach them about Lalita F. Morgan, if I teach them about Daddy Maul and Grandpa Fields, they're made of the stuff of those bodies. And so when an obstacle presents itself to them, they will know inside their bones that they have the ability to make it over that obstacle because they are made of people who did so. This is the importance of honoring your dead. This is the importance. In West Africa, our ancestors will bury the bones in the floor of their home. They were never far away from their egum. When I was in Nigeria, you would see what looked like a porch and it would have a big, beautiful mural of a beautiful Yoruba woman or Yoruba man. And it would have a long statement of paying homage to that person. And it would be, oh, my mother, she gave so much so that I could live this life that I live. She paid my school fees. She made me food. She cleaned me when I could not clean myself. She taught me when I could not teach myself. Beautiful homage that they would pay. And you then, when I would ask my family in Nigeria, what is this mural? And they would say their mother is buried there, right there in what would be the porch of the house. Beautiful ceremony magnificent ritual 
She is right there with you. She will never leave you in any sort of way, not physically and not spiritually. So here in the West, the way that we were able to do that, because we were not allowed, we weren't allowed to bury our people in the floorboards anymore. So what we then began to do when this became a possibility, we put pictures of them up on an altar in our home so that we didn't forget their faces. We point to those pictures and we tell our children, that's your great-great-grandmother so-and-so. She did the so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. You named after her. That's your great-grandpa so-and-so. He did the so-and-so, so-and-so. You look just like him. We tell our children that it's the same ritual. We brought that ritual with us from Western Central Africa and we keep it in our homes. And this teaches your children how powerful they are. This teaches them who and what they come from and how we have had the ability to survive in this hellish place for so long and not just to survive, but to thrive. How we have reached the pinnacles of Western society even as it seeks to continuously pull us down and destroy us. If you teach your children how your grandmothers and grandfathers did that, then they know that they can do it. And teach them that all that they have to do is ask those same grandmothers and grandfathers when they need the power to do it, when they need the audacity to do it, when they need the assertiveness or the aggression to do it, reach on back and get some of that grandmother and grandfather. My mother used to tell us stories about my great-grandmother, Westell Timmons-Taylor. We call her Big Buddy in my family. And she would teach us that whenever we were afraid, that all we had to do was reach back and get some of that Big Buddy. I was raised with that as a teaching. And even when we had a spiritual fear, if a haint was riding you, that's what we call it in the South. I know y'all fancy. Now y'all call it sleep paralysis. But I still know it's a haint that's riding you. And so if a haint was to ride you and you wake up in the night, you go tell your mama. And she would say, the next time that happened, call on Big Buddy. Because my mother said even the haints is scared of Big Buddy. And she was right. She was right. Anytime anything like that occurred, I would call on Big Buddy and the, the energy of my great-grandmother, who I never met in flesh because she passed away before I was born. She passed this spirit on to me. But the energy of her would fill the room and whatever was trying to ride me would, would, be, would fearfully move off of me every single time. Teach your children who and what they come from. Do not have your babies out here without the armor and protection of their egun and their egungun. And by the same token, you don't have yourself out here without the armor and protection of your egungun. Don't be out here trying to navigate this world wrong. Don't do that to yourself. Remember who and what you come from. And if you don't know the stories, then know that you are here. Know that you stand in here. Know that you draw in breath. Know that blood is circulating through your veins so you know that your ancestors made it through Jim Crow. All praises. You know that your ancestors made it through Reconstruction. All praises. You know 
that your ancestors made it through enslavement. All praises. Because if they had not made it through, you would not be standing here. You would not be drawing breath. You would not have blood flowing through your veins. So even if you don't know the exact story, know exactly the stock and the type of people that you come from by knowing what they overcame to remain in existence and to make you, to create you. Now, do not misunderstand me. And don't leave this podcast saying what Eolosha said, even though my granddaddy was terrible and he used to beat us and he used to do all kind of terrible things that we should pay homage. That's not what I'm saying. You pay homage to your honored, righteous ancestors. And righteous is based upon what they did for the family. How they were able to uplift and assist and protect and provide for the family. That's what righteousness is based upon. So that's who I'm saying for you to pay homage to. That's who I'm saying for you to remember. That's whose deeds I'm saying for you to put in front of you. Right? Not anybody who was out over here doing foolishness or being abusive or in any way harming family members. We're not talking about them. They, they exist in another realm that is not a realm of homage. And they are not to be honored. And they are not to be placed upon an altar. And their names are not to be spoken. But outside of them, your ancestors who worked hard to make sure that you survived, you pay homage. You remember who's who and whose you are at all times. That's where you come from. That is what makes you. That is what gives you the ability to exist. That is what shaped and fashioned your physical form. That is what gives you your tendencies and your proclivities. That's where it comes from. Do not let a desire to worship heroes cloud your ability to pay homage to those who fed you and clothed you, who wiped your tears, who gave to you when you had nothing to give back to them. Don't let that hero worship cloud that. Right? A hero ain't did nothing for you, but your grandmama gave everything. Absolutely everything. So this is the importance of honoring your ancestors. Do not attempt to move forward in African traditional spirituality without a firm foundation and communication with your ancestors. Anyone who teaches you to move forward without that is misteaching you. They're miseducating you. Make sure that the priest and priestess that you're working with teaches you how to set up a communication with your ancestors before anything else. All right. We give all praise and honor to those who survived. We give praise and honor to the big mamas. We give praise and honor to the papas. We give praise and honor to Auntie Neil and Uncle Neil. We give praise and honor to the mamas and the daddies and the mommies. We give praise and honor to those who laid their lives down. 
so that we could sit here today and have this conversation. We give praise and honor to those who taught us how to live life properly. We give praise and honor to those who taught us to read, who taught us to walk, who taught us to speak properly, who taught us manners and etiquette, who told us to sit up in our chair and wipe our mouths and get up in the morning and brush our teeth and wipe our face and bathe. We pay homage. We pay homage to those who made sure that we had shoes on our feet and a coat in the wintertime. We pay homage to those who got up and took us to school every morning. We pay homage to those who picked us up from school in the afternoon. We pay homage to those who went and worked in the hails of the white man's corporate America or in the hails of the white man's factory or in the hails of the white man's fields or in the hails of any sort of capitalistic trap and hellish place just so that we could eat. We pay homage to the daddies that work the two and three jobs so that we could be at school living like prince and princesses. We pay homage to the mothers that took on work and went into workplaces during times when women weren't really supposed to be in the workplace just so that we could have a surplus to choose from. We pay homage to the grandmothers who took care of us while the parents were at work. We pay homage for all of the food. We pay homage for all of the jokes and the innuendos and the different idioms that we use and how they taught us to speak and use this foreign tongue in ways that remain magical. We pay homage for every breath, for every hug, for every kiss, for every scraped knee that they put that mercurial comb on. Y'all don't hear me, amen, lights. We pay homage for every scolding, for every writing of us being on a path that was not going to be good for us. We pay homage for the ability to recognize our foresight and teach us how to use it properly. We pay homage for the keeping of African traditional ways and showing us how to use those ways in a foreign land. We take this moment in these three days to set aside and pay homage to those men, those women, and those people that made it possible for us to be here. All praises. We will remember and we will intone your names. We will remember and we will pour libation to your spirits. We will remember and we will live the best lives possible in this place because you taught us how to do so. We will remember and we will be shining examples of the excellence that you sold into this lineage. All praises and all honor to our ancestors on these days of honor to them. Don't forget, don't neglect to honor your ancestors. 
Asheya, ecstasy, abundance, and bliss to all of those within the sound of my voice who are wishing the same for me and mine. And as always, we wish the lessons of life on those who are ignorant enough to wish us otherwise. Please feel free to share this podcast. Please feel free to share it with like minds and people who ain't of like minds. Please feel free to let everybody get a little bit of this goodness. All right, until next time, peace, y'all.